posted. Who was it? Was it by a boyfriend or a girlfriend or both to a stranger by a friend? Someone younger, someone older? Were there multiple people involved? Were you ghosted by family or a boss? Maybe whoever ghosted you probably sucks. No one does it right. Let's talk about it with Kadi Asad, Ghost Detective, and my friend James Hilmer. Should I try my version of how you enter podcast? Yeah, actually, that'd be great. Uh, uh, hello! <laughs> I really blasted it out, though. I'm going to back up. I really blasted Hello! <laughs> I'm James Hilmer. Wow. Welcome to Kadi Asad, Ghost Detective. I'm here with my friend Kadi Asad. Hey. <laughs> Four- Full role reversal. I don't have a Cotty impression yet, and I can't do your laugh. I have to, like, narrow that down. But, yes, we are doing a... This is my James impression. A little bit looser Q&A episode. This is my James impression, but there's color in my voice, but it's hard to bring out. <laughs> this is such a uh, uh, a problem for me but when I'm being a, when I'm teaching. I realize it. I was like, "Oh, you sound too boring." And then I like it's almost like turning the volume up suddenly and being like, "Oh yeah, you have to be a little more expressive." And and then when I do that, then people are like, "It didn't change." And I'm like, "Fuck! What the hell are you all doing?" I feel like I have that problem with my voice too. I feel like I'll think of myself because I've. I, I've been recorded in film in video and recording a a bit. Yeah. You know? And I'll I'll think back to the moment, like I'll run a panel or I'll be on a show or something. And I'm like, God, I was on fire. I was doing backflips with my voice and facial expressions and I'll watch the video and I'm like, Oh, I'm barely awake. It looks yeah. like I'm mad, maybe. <laughs> like And Yeah, it's helped to have done all the podcasting stuff has helped me a use my voice a lot more because I've heard so many hours of my voice now. But Aww. Yay. Um, that's the big takeaway of uh pursue your passions. Hobbies? <laughs> passion. Passion. Yeah, hobby. Um my <laughs> pandemic thing was start podcasting and it's led to a lot of fun, new, interesting. It's like we wouldn't know each other. No, we would not be friends (laughs) if you, I mean, we could potentially have been friends through Casey. Uh, It might have happened, yeah. But I talk to you more than I talk to Casey now. (laughs) Hi, Casey. Um, But yeah. Oh, sorry. We're trying to be professional too. So this is, if you're a new listener, this is Kaisa Ghost Detective where we usually interview a guest, usually a comedian, by the time they were ghosted by a family friend or lava. But today is special because today we're doing a Q&A slash maybe a check-in with It's me sort of a state James. of season two report. A, sta- a state of season two report slash maybe we're tired. And we yeah. decided <laughs> to do this instead of finding somebody else to talk to. <laughs> but we did it. Uh, it went very well last season. So this is a welcome change of pace. Yeah. Mm. We had like three last season, actually. We did quite a few Q&As. Really? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Do we have any questions for each other? Uh, I was going to ask kind of like, how are you? <laughs> because so we recorded a lot of season two a long time ago. A long time ago. So it In the mostly fall. hasn't mattered because you don't hear anyone reference anything too topical. But a couple of places that people were like recording before like. Twitter imploded the yeah. way it did. And we're kind of like, eh. and what else? Someone, nah, there was like someone made a reference to Alec Baldwin that was like in the news at that time. This like feels so long ago now. Right. So things are, it's a whole new, it's a whole new world. And this will probably actually come out in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Not even. So never mind. Don't mention never anything mind, at all. Mind. And if something catastrophic has happened and it, we sound flippant, uh, that's not our fault. That's not our fault. Sorry, <laughs> we plan. And also um, to future us a few weeks from now, one, I hope Twitter has new management. This is me manifesting for the future. Hope Instagram is cool. Hope chat GBT blows up. And uh-huh. I hope uh, right wing people take a nap and don't wake up. <laughs> and... um. What else? You're killing it. Think of things we should tell to ourselves. Oh, think. Oh, you're doing like a, a very good job. Yeah, yeah, you're doing really great out there. Everybody's like looking at you, saying, "Wow, that person's cool." To James in the future, you finished your first year of 
teaching high school and middle school and everything went great. To future Cotty, remember to send James a congrats text. Uh, (laughs) Um, can I even ask about how, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm really busy. This year's been, um, a lot, but it feels like nothing's happened. I feel like everyone, I want to speak a little vaguely that everyone had maybe a little bit of security scare with the with layoffs and things mm-hmm. in the world and it was looking really scary for people around me for a long time and then now it feels safe and good which is good but also like work is a lot mm-hmm. and so it's things are like I'm so happy that fe- things feel secure I like I feel like my personal life is gr- my personal life is pretty great, but the world feels so crazy that I kind of feel unnerved a little bit. Like things in the news are stressing me out mm-hmm. a bit. See, this would fit at any point that Anytime. we release this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like um like uh, the rollout of the way Things have been going on in Tennessee, Florida, ChatGBT all at once mm. has been not has left me feeling a little what is it all for at night? Like, yep, yep. and so it's like, I don't think I'm doing anything bad in the world, but it's interesting how the chat GPT being a thing, stressing people out, making them think about the future of their career has affected everyone around me's field. Unless, unless you worked, unless my friends like from college who went and worked in STEM, they're like, awesome. We can use this to figure out all kinds of really useful, important things. Everybody who's in the humanities is like, Fuck. Well, I, I that's all I do is write and think about things to write. Well, what's it's what's annoying is it's like if ChatGBT was like if its job was to think or brainstorm about how to save the world or the environment, then be great. it'd be great, but we know that's not what they're going to do. Mm, like some people are going to use it to solve important things, not necessarily that one, but the idea of like machine learning and AI. Some people will use it for good, but it'll be too late. Mm. Is my guess. Yeah. How do we get on this? We're moving away from this. Let's get away (laughs) from this. Somebody please uh, kill ChatGPT, but I guess leave it to the good people. Um, Mm. Let's move away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm doing much better. The the beginning of season two Mm might have been some of them recorded when I was unemployed for a month because I was, I can speak more in detail about it now. Yeah. Still vaguely, but at least acknowledge what happened. So I worked at a startup private school yes. starting in August of last year. Yes. On Halloween, the founder of the school <laughs> told us what we all knew would be coming and said, I don't want you to cash your paychecks because if you all did it at once, they would bounce. Wow. They had squandered a lot of the startup money they never really had a lot of it to begin with. Turns out it was all kind of a scam. And the uh, whole school. I mean, it wasn't a scam in that the scam part was like we just did not have very many people enrolled and they probably should have waited did another year of like research and marketing and figuring out how to yeah. grow it. But they it kind a, of ju- they looked they jumped before they leaped. They leaped before they looked. Yeah. They they did they did the the fuck it will do it live. The fuck and they just, the Bill O'Reilly approach, they just did it, um, hoping that people might, because those kind of schools get a lot of like transfers and stuff mid-school year. Mm-hmm. But I was not going to wait for that. So, and then I was recording some of these episodes and was unemployed. And feeling a little down. Feeling down, because I had already done such a big career shift to leave academia to move into teaching at the secondary level. And that was already like, took a lot of courage. And then that didn't work out. And then it was the middle of the school year and schools weren't hiring and stuff. But then I have a really nice job now. I've liked, I've been there for four months teaching at a very established, long time established alternative private school. Yay. I also want to point out that you had like your, you had like your, um, I don't know, like a, alliance moment you're like superhero moment because you said and you can cut this out i guess if you don't want it in it 
But wasn't there a moment where the teacher, the the guy founding the school was kind of like telling you guys something like don't cash the checks or something. He was trying to tell you guys what to do. And you stood up for all the teachers and were like, you can't tell us what to do anymore because you can't (laughs) pay us. I didn't say you can't tell us what to do. It was almost better because he was like, uh, I just kept reiterating. I was like, if you can't show me a clear plan of how you're going to pay me, I'm going to be done here. And he was like, I don't want to be the team that sees the scoreboard and they're down and gives up and try to give some analogy like that. Yeah. And I cut him off. This was in a, not an impromptu staff meeting because teachers were just like stopping teaching and going to the office and being like, what's going on? Oh my God. So there were students there? Tried to like talk about this not around students. Okay. There also were very few of them. So it did not matter. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we, I cut him off and I said... Oh, I'm blanking on what I said. It was a good mic drop. It was moment. a good mic drop moment. I remember that you were very proud of yourself because he. Well, I think what you probably said, if he's trying to bullshit you with this analogy of like, oh, don't be the team where the scoreboard's down, you oh, give up, I and said, you're like, you're, yes. we're not a team. No, I, no, I said, and I wish I hadn't bought into his analogy. Now that I say it, I said the game is over when you can't pay your employees. Yeah, <laughs> mic drop and. And he just looked at the floor and then oh. all the other teachers kind of nodded in agreement. Dane. That might come up with one of the questions because there are people from that job that I ghosted. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, so There were no d- identifying details in any of that. No, I don't. Yeah, okay. I don't all think so. Yeah. <laughs> and also... Um, it's just so LA. Like I yeah. don't, and I don't know how many people in LA listen to this podcast. There's <laughs> such a good, there's such a good sort of Danny McBride type tone, um, show to be written about the world of private schools in Los Angeles. Oh my God. Yes. Well, vice principals. Did you watch yeah, it? It's like, I was, as I was saying, it, I was like, that's probably why I think that because of vice principals. Yeah. But, yeah. But definitely the, the intrigue and the politics and the well what's nuts too is like from watching tv shows about because a lot of tv shows and movies just randomly take place in la even if they're not about the industry yeah they just like are like and they live in sherman oaks yeah but it's like crazy except for never have i ever a lot of the shows are like how could you send your kid to public school the la Mm, school system mm -hmm. is so bad Mm. so it's like it's almost like to me someone who like only went to public school minus college Mm -hmm. like it's bizarre to me to hear that language. Like, it's bizarre to me to have ever thought there was a choice of what school you could go to because I grew up in a rural area that had there was the one. Well, yeah, there you was just the one school there. district. Yeah, yeah. So, like I think we, I did go to a different school district and for my high school, but I had to like audition. It was like a process yeah. to like get over there. Uh huh. Yeah. So. So. Second half of the season, oh, wait, although no that. one will know because my voice will not communicate yes. it, I'm doing much better. Yes, you are doing way better. You seem better. You're busier. Mm-hmm. That's good. You got your life going. Mm-hmm. You seem, well, you seem busy, but you seem definitely like every time you talk about this new place, you really, really like it. Yes. Great, kind, funny students. Coworkers are great. Feels like going to hang out. I even look forward to going to work some days. So that's, that's very cute. rare. Yeah. I'm like, that's where I'm going to go and like, Oh, like I remember all oh, that one student told me about that thing. I wonder how that went for them. And Aww. Do you ask? For sure. This school this school is all about relationship building and you should for sure like encourage their interests and Okay, so name your favorite student on three. Ready? No. One. <laughs> I have many that it's I'm me. like <laughs> I have many that I'm like awesome. Yeah. Look okay, name to your it. least favorite nope, student never. on three. That's good. Do you feel like the size of the class helps you reach that kind of compassion? 100%. It's very small, and that's all I'm going to say about it because other things would identify it. Okay. Things about it. I also just want to say I gave like a sad check-in. I've also had really good things happen. Yeah. <laughs> like I did a full, I did a show where we did a half hour, and mm-hmm. it went really great. I featured in Minnesota. That went really great. My family came. Thanks for coming, family. Yeah, I'm try- I'm doing more. Lo- I'm trying to do longer sets and trying to push myself to not just show up and do like an eight or 10 minute set somewhere, but like set a headlining date Mm -hmm. and do smaller rooms and stuff like that. So that's going good. Yeah. 
We will do some Q&A from listeners. Yes. These first questions come from Patrick S. <laughs> That's how we'll announce the listeners by their last initial. Does that sound like something fun that they do on the radio? Yeah. <laughs> okay. After listening to so... This is Patrick's first question. Also, hi, Patrick. After listening to so many stories about relationships, both spirited connections and ghosting, how does it make you and James feel about your relationships, both those people that are close to you and those that aren't? I definitely have it in mind to think if I am ghosting someone, am I doing it for a good reason? And will I feel guilty about it now that I'm always on here being like, don't ghost people? But we've also we've also always reiterated sometimes there are good reasons to ghost people. Yeah, I don't think we're like super anti-ghosting. We it's just want more, to understand just, it more. We want to understand it more. And we also like want to really just like, it's like kind of like a, spe- I feel like when, if you were to ask someone about a time they were ghosted, sometimes it's a superficial story and sometimes it's like a really juicy story. And really mm-hmm. this whole podcast is made so that we can hear good stories. Uh-huh. But also, do you has it made you like re-examine your relate like what works about your relationship? The since we've started doing this, since we've started doing this, I'll say that. Okay, so how does it make you feel about your relationship? Oh, uh, I'd say I would say something that created friction in my marriage was in the past when I would try to be like making friends with people or hanging out with people who obviously we didn't mesh well but I was so concerned that everybody likes me or no one's mad at me or anything like that Mm -hmm. that I would drag that stress of trying to being anxious like that over and then complaining to my wife about it and her always being like I told you like you're probably not gonna hang like get along with those people you're like way overstretching your energy or time for people Mm. that you shouldn't hang out with. Um, And I always kind of knew that. I can tell, like, who might be good for me right away because it gets along with them right away or, like, we'll talk to them or, like, just helps or supports and says, like, go do that thing. Yeah. So I think that doing this in combination of that realization Mm -hmm. has helped. Yeah. Just being more, more direct, open communication. Yeah. Doing this podcast has maybe helped you, yeah, be more direct and communicate better. I can't tell, though, because it's about, like, getting older, moving on to new career stuff. Yeah. You just, like, if you're, and especially teaching, if you're worried about each thing of, like, what someone says and what they meant by it, and you're teaching kids who, like, have less of a filter, like, you cannot internalize all that or you'll be really sad. (laughs) Or you'll be really sad. (laughs) I was always, like... I don't. I often have said that when kids say mean things to me, like when they're kind of lashing out. I'm just like, I don't believe you mean that, and we'll talk again later. Yeah, you don't want to say things like that, (laughs) (laughs) which is scarier, I think, because they're like, why is this person being empathetic? I feel like I'm in that right now with I've me and in my relationship, we are at a place where we've gotten a lot better at being like, it seems like you're mad. I'm going to give you some time. And it's a Mm -hmm. little less internalized. Like we seem to be, it's like where I feel like we're reading each other better and supporting each other better and not taking things so personally. And I think that, Maybe that this podcast is part of that. I think also we are get, we're also getting older, and also we've had we've lost some people in the last year. And I think mm. when you lose people, you it puts things into perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, is it really worth a blowout fight? You know, or like, or we just accept the other person's upset right now and giving them some space. I feel like a big thing that's helped is like I feel like maybe we've learned each other's anger like there's love language but also like the language you want people to have around you when you're upset Mm -hmm. like I feel like when I'm sometimes I'm frustrated about career stuff and I feel like he used to try to come up with the solution and I'd be like I don't really need that I need you to just kind of be in my corner about it even if you're like the answer is to send out a bunch of resumes or something. It's like, I just want to be upset for a minute and yep. then I'll go do that thing. It's a good hack. That yeah. I learned in the beginning of, sounds like it's going to be a longer conversation. Be like, okay, do you want me to 
help and propose solutions or you just want to vent. I could be here for both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's been good. I will say something from doing this podcast and which was the reason I did my other podcast is it has made me feel a little less lonely about the story I originally told. Oh, yeah. I've heard so many. So like, I guess relationships I don't have anymore. How Mm -hmm. does it make me feel? It's made me feel like um, a lot, especially women have a lot of stories really similar to my story about like someone kind of pursuing you being your whole world and then just disappearing into the night and it's left us all feeling a little rattled but then we've like gotten over it so Mm -hmm. I do like hearing that story told from other women that I like respect and really think the world of because I'm like oh okay you know Mm -hmm. it happens yeah yeah okay and then Patrick's next question is comedy is a central thread of the incredible guests you've had on your podcast. How does humor help us frame our relationships, both the ones that shine as well as the ones that crash and burn? I think kind of what you were saying earlier about your job where it's like you just you if you were to internalize every little thing, you'd blow up. Mm-hmm. And like, I think like, have you seen everything everywhere all at once? Uh-huh. Like Wayman's speech where he's like, you think I'm dumb because I see the positive, but that's actually a big survival tactic. Mm -hmm. I think comedy, especially for a lot of comedians, they usually get into comedy because they felt lonely in some way or the other. And comedy is kind of like what connected them to other people or like helped them get through a bad time. Mm -hmm. So I think like that, too. Maybe why this is a comedy podcast at all and not more of a NPR styled dry voice thing is like. It's kind of there's something very dynamic about hearing potentially a devastating story through the lens of someone who tells it very funny. Like, And I think that we all at times are not being our best selves or making rash decisions or we're not interacting with somebody the way that we would want to. So you can relate. You can laugh and just be like, yeah, that's a wild thing to do. I've kind of done that in some way. Or, yeah. Or help, or just people are incredulous. They're just like, can you believe that someone did this? That's so just inherently has humor to it. Yeah. To hear, there's the thing I would always say, it was, uh, there's a lot of ways to be in the world. When you just hear something completely out of your experience and just be like, that's one way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think comedy kind of connects us all. Mm. I think it also, not everybody, I think, connects to comedy quite the same way. No, that's what I was going to say when you're talking about like um, like audience expectations or something. Is mm-hmm. like the average person knows nothing about stand-up. That's just bombarding them when they, log- when they are scrolling through Netflix and they're like, oh, I kind of like that. Yeah. Beyond that, most people don't know at all how that process goes. Yeah. And also like... Comp like to laugh at something dark isn't natural to everyone. Yeah. Like I like I've told jokes about like I've struggled with like eating disorders and eating and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And like what I've seen series like comedic series about it and it made me laugh and feel less alone. Or is it made other people feel offended? They were like, how could they make light? And it's like, oh, I guess you just didn't process that that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm inclined to agree. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. It's giving it's you like, pause. Well, no, no, no. Just my, I don't want to get into talking about comedy. Because mm. <laughs> I'm just like, what's funny, what's not funny. Because you'll comedy. keep going forever. Yeah, because I love like dark comedy when it's about like punching up at like politicians and things. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, not, I don't mean punching. When I say dark, I don't mean punching down. Yeah. I just mean like, ta- like if you were to talk about depression on stage right. or to talk about like some people, like some of some bits I would love to write about. And I try to write about, and some audiences are just like, like I wish you would go back to talking about kids or oh, like yeah, your kids yeah. are saying poo poo pee pee or something mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? Yep. Like talking about different topics under the guise of comedy mm-hmm. it sits well with some people, and some people they're like, "Why would you say that? Why would you bring that up?" Like, yeah. <laughs> There's a good discussion of that in this season in Drew and Candace's episode, talking mm-hmm. how to make things, how to how to process dark things or sad things that happen through comedy. Yeah, I think they talked about it in a nice nuanced way. Yeah, definitely. You have another one there. I have two more. With all the stories you've heard now, what are the three steps of ghosting. 
This is a fun one. Oh, I, hmm. My whole thing was always to try to sift through their story and find the instance of an unanswered communication. Mm-hmm. Some guests would be like, wait, why is that? And I'm like, that's the pivotal point to, for a lot of times for us to determine whether they were actually ghosted or not. Right. <laughs> Sometimes they like have a kind of hazy definition of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, maybe step one is there's an unanswered communication. Mm-hmm. Step two is there is another confirmation of can you communicate with me now? Mm-hmm. Like the double text. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is acceptance kind of of that person is no longer communicating with me. I would say the same, but I feel like for me, the first step is enamoration of some kind Mm. like everyone who's come in and told a story unless the story was like superficial and that's the story they wanted to tell today Mm. which has not been that many people most people are telling a story where they first were enamored with this person rather Mm -hmm. it was like a like a friend for a long time or like a hot fling they were like filled with passion for this person for a minute and then the disappearance And then the realization of what has happened, like I was filled with them. They're gone. And now I'm realizing maybe they betrayed me. Mm -hmm. Like I would say those for me have been the three for the funnest stories to hear so far. Yeah. I'm thinking about my step three because I said acceptance, but that Mm -hmm. sort of reminds me of the steps of grieving, which they've kind of, you know, obviously it wasn't that clear cut, but they've more gone more than that and kind of debunked of these different things will come up for you and it's a long-term process. One of our guests was talking about that, I think. Yeah. Um, Because acceptance sounds like if we have to put it in three, I feel like acceptance actually comes after the third final step. Yeah. I feel like maybe you're saying acceptance, but recognition re- recognition that acknowledgement is probably because i way. think the second i think you're right like we're we kind of numbered them differently but mm-hmm. you're saying the communication's different now for me that would say would be the second step and yeah. the third step is realizing this isn't a fluke they're leaving they're mm-hmm. gone i would say step one conflict conflict step two <laughs> recognition Mm -hmm. step three acceptance okay mine are a little different Uh uh-huh step one enamored step two conflict or step two this is different something's off step three rut row okay (laughs) (laughs) the final question Mm -hmm. the final one is have you and james been guilty of ghosting anyone since starting the podcast yeah all right i'm gonna rip mine off really fast okay (laughs) rip mine off because I kind of alluded to it. So at that job that fell apart in the fall, mm-hmm. one of, there was two, myself and another teacher were the first to lead the charge of people quitting. Mm-hmm. We had two very different approaches to quitting. Mine was whatever they said. I was just like, I'm going to pack up my room. I'll be done this week. Thank you. <laughs> and kept reiterating that because the admins were very, manipulative and being like oh like if you go then then there's no school and how can yeah yeah it would be my they're trying to make it they're trying to make you make it my fault yeah Yeah. disperse the blame another the other teacher who led that charge had long time long veteran teacher a lot of experience probably some like union experience but this was a private school so you don't have a union was like threatening legal action from the first second rightfully so but um i was more like Maybe like legal things will come out of this. So I'm just not going to say too much because I don't know. And I'm not going to email too much. I'm not going to talk about it. And like yeah. a, the other teacher emailed like everyone, told any parent he could get a hold of, such to the point that I went home and saw that my email was deactivated for the school. And it was because this guy had sent an email to everybody explaining, like, but going on a long tirade in the email about how terrible this is and everything. And I was just kind of like, you're not wrong, but like I would be more conservative with my handling of this. Yeah. And then after that, then we were both on the job market. So we were kind of like messaging each other about that. I had given, I'll say them, my phone. I had given them my phone number so they could text me. And 
we all like we're like oh maybe some of you will need like letters of rec or something yeah like, just or references something so let's keep in touch and we'll maybe if you know something because oh the other thing was there was one teacher for each subject so you weren't in competition you could be like oh i saw a job over here oh, okay they were all kind of in that school world yeah so um linkedin i get a message uh, checking up on me. And then it was at the time that I was starting my job now. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And then he didn't, he saw that that job posting too. And he didn't think that that was what he wanted to do, but let me know that in extremely like negative waves and just a really long message explaining, like, I'm never going to do that because there's blah, blah, blah. And just like constantly. And then at the end of that being like, Oh, so like, I know I live really far away, but if you want to hang out, do you want to like, maybe we could meet here. And it was just like extremely far away, like not even in LA County yeah. and just very unhinged LinkedIn messages of all places. And yeah. I just, I left that. I ghosted him. That, I, I already yeah. said, I messed it up. I said him, I, I ghosted him there. Yeah. And I don't think I'll reply. No. I also know that he was really jazzed about I did podcasting and was really in the like kind of stand up comedy world stuff. So he was really excited about that. So he may listen to this, but this is my explanation of that was a really unhinged way to say congrats on your new job. Right. <laughs> Do you want to come meet me like three hours away from where you live to talk about it? Yeah. And there's a significant age gap between us, which doesn't always have to mean anything. And now as I, I kind of aged out of the where that matters, I think now when you're in your like mid thirties, you kind of could. You could hang out with like a 65-year-old yeah. or whatever. You're but, all just in it. But there's considerable differences still. Yeah. And yeah, like that is a type of, and we did, it was cool to work with them and we did get along. And that, that is the type of relationship I mentioned before where I would go way out of my way to try to make that work, spend a lot of energy yeah. and be like, this is an interesting, this is an interesting person I want to hang out with and everything, but it would not be worth it. They live too far away. They were also really unhinged and were going through a lot. And I think that losing that job did not help yeah. them. They also, like, I feel like picking, yeah, picking up the unhinged energy, like. It was unnerving. And I was kind of like. Do you feel like that was part of uh, their age played into the unhingedness? Like, maybe they're just, like, I think older. they had been through a lot of trials and tribulations of working as a teacher in different environments yeah and in also in the much more difficult uh, like 100 times more difficult atmosphere of public schools too yeah so they're already like a like burned out like thousand yard stare veteran and i'm just kind of like i'm checking this out yeah and getting used to it yeah and we're at very different places with how we feel like employers operate yeah i also wondered if their age like because sometimes i've not really an email, but I find like older people like use technology differently that makes them seem unhinged, but it's like they're just like they, didn't. they don't quite understand how text reads differently. Or yeah, there's some of that. But LinkedIn's a wild place to message me when I gave you my phone number. I feel like they do that, though. On LinkedIn. Yeah, people are using that now like a social media platform yeah. and it destroyed it. And when you're actually really stressed looking for a job, you're like, fuck, I don't, I shouldn't have to like post and like right. appear in a certain way. You're just taking all the worst parts of social media and adding and it to your it job to search. Like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> um, Indeed was much better to okay. find a job. <laughs> all the jobs I've gotten have been on Indeed, Indeed. and not LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, We should get money for that. Uh. Wait, you, did you ghost anyone since we started the yeah. show? <laughs> I, uh, I'm trying to frame it in case any of them do listen to this. Um, okay, I'll say, I'll say this, that I met this person through work, and I met them through a person that I do really, really like, and just basically this person demonstrated unhinged energy immediately like I I think I they got my number from work through like I don't remember exchanging numbers with them only maybe that happened and I forgot but I don't remember I feel like it was like more of a group work situation where we're all giving our numbers they called me at 9 a.m 
I didn't pick up because I'm not insane and I didn't recognize the number. And then immediately texting me, guessing why I didn't pick up. Oh, boy. And then just from there on out, just like constantly, not constantly, but enough, like enough, like they're they're They were trying to connect and they were trying to seem offer opportunities that would be good. But their energy was so unhinged. I was like, I would rather say no to this potential opportunity than welcome this person into my life any more than they already are. Yeah. And I feel like when I would talk to them, I'd look into their eyes and there was just like this unhinged thing going on, like a ferocity. Even if they're saying nice things, their eyes are so intense that I was just like, no. And I feel like similarly to you, like I feel like in the past, I maybe would have taken the opportunity or done something be like, maybe. But now I'm just like, no. Like, I feel like I've met you before Mm. and I know how this is going to work out and I'm kind of done. Like, and I doubt honestly any anything that you create will go anywhere with the type of energy you have. Yeah. When I say and then. For both of these, it seems like trying to force a relationship that's not there. Yeah. I think I say unhinged fully knowing that I used to do that and I'm kind of doing them the, well, I don't know. Maybe I have to directly respond to kind of go with my own advice that we've kind of been giving for a lot of the episodes to make them see it clearer. But I think when I say unhinged, I think I mean, I know you're not acting in your how you probably want to be perceived and move through the world. And I've done that too. And I'm just like, I can't help you through that right now. I don't feel, I feel like you're being hard on yourself by saying, I don't like, I don't, I don't know past James, but I find it hard to believe you like. It was probably all way more subdued and not even noticed than I thought. I just know internally for me, I had a lot of anxiety, especially at the start of grad school, wanting everybody to be my friend, but also my colleague, but also my Right. Advisor, whatever. Just like I had, there's a lot of that in grad school. That's a whole other episode to unpack. I think, (laughs) yeah, I feel like maybe you're trying to have compassion for their anxiety. Yeah. But I don't think you would be inappropriate. Like this person is being also like to be like, we can meet three hours away from where you live. It's like, you're not even trying. Like, like you said three hours, but it's honestly not too far from that. They they were doing an insane commute. That's probably led to like why it was so stressful to get. It was stressful to even keep the job and then to have it fall apart. And yeah. When I say unhinged, I do, I mean like there's like an aggression coming from them and their actions are like, it's, and I feel like it, maybe this is more prevalent to LA type of people, but they're just like, I'm going to be the one type of energy where you're like, there's a, there's a system in place here. It's not a great system, but like you saying that tells me you don't really know the lay of the land or like what's going on. Yeah. It makes me kind of not really want to join forces with you or Alex. Cause it's like, I'm just going to have to teach you everything and that'll mm-hmm. be exhausting. And you also seem stubborn and uh, I'm just not yeah. I'm not interested in that. This is good, though. I feel like this is you having boundaries. Yeah. I feel like that wouldn't maybe not have been the case a couple of years ago. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. I think I would have tried and then been mad at myself for and then I complain about that person. Whereas it's like I could just not take the bait and we can go our separate ways and we don't have to bother each other anymore. Yeah. So that that's a pretty good one. Um, Thank you, Patrick S. Um, Okay, so actually, that's all the questions I have. Oh, wait, I guess I have one more question. Would we ever post like a collage of the poems? You know, sure. It just, I, my handwriting is awful. And I I really don't know that people can read it. I also write it in almost like a doctor's shorthand. Mm -hmm. Like, you will have heard this episode by now if you're listening along, but like the Katrina Davis one, she said the word like banging bazoombas. <laughs> and I wrote banging BZ and like trailed off my scribble. <laughs> so like it will. <laughs> Dr. Shorthand. Yeah. And then one more people, Mark A is interested in having Brie Pruitt come back to explain more fetishes. <laughs> So oh, not yeah. a question, just a thought. <laughs> a suggestion. <laughs> yeah. Brie Pruitt was awesome. Yeah. She was on our live episode too. I think she'd be down because 
I feel like she had a transformative experience. And I think she liked explaining that stuff to us. Oh, yeah. That's like her her whole thing. Her whole thing, yeah. Um, Holly Annabelle Brown asked, I will say again, very funny comedian, great guest on the show, helped us out. Great. Love Holly. Um, She said, what is the most memorable ghosting story you've heard on the pod so far? LOL, not me. (laughs) (laughs) What is the most memorable? Yeah, most memorable ghosting story you've heard on the pod so far. That's. Can I? I don't know. They've been. You you go ahead. What'd you say? I think uh, we had recorded this a while ago, but we put it out recently from this recording. Um, Anna Valenzuela's because it was really good. Just at people actually, they did not reply because he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that was always the fear of like a friend of mine had a lot of like panic attacks about that. Like people have that thing where they. Oh, they're worried. Their thoughts spiral and they're like, oh, that person's dead. And then they are. This was a real case of that. What's funny, I think for me, the most, I mean, it's hard. We've had some really good ones, honestly. Like, I am proud of the people who've come on this podcast and told, like, some amazing stories. It's Mm -hmm. hard to choose. I'll say, what I'll say about Anna's is also the way she told it was so good. Like, Mm -hmm. it was so funny. Like, she had told me a while ago, like, oh, I'll come on your podcast because I've been on, like, dates with guys who died. And I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, that fits what we are looking for. I had no idea it would turn into a guy who used to work on the show Cops, whose day job was running for fucking sound for fucking cops. Yeah. Getting shot in the head. Like, that's insane. Like, that's such a, that's a brilliant, that's, like, another level of I did not expect it to be so good. Yeah. <laughs> I also think Rachel's was really good too. Like uh cutting out the faces Rachel and like, Scanlon had a good like front to back great ghosting story had like that kind of like pseudo therapy vibe like right. where we figured something out for yeah. her like the red I like an amazing story that her yeah. now that she's out of it, she's realized all the red flags. But during it, the red flags were so fun to hear her tell. Um, honestly, we could go on forever. I feel like there's been some really fucking good ones. Mm. Yeah. Um, friend, longtime listener, often day it comes out listener and texts me about it. Pow. Mm-hmm. I'll read their comment first because it was about Anna's episode. Uh, they said, overall, just wanted to comment on all the good shit that last app had. The Anna app had me dying and gripping the walls. They were texting me. They're like, dude, I'm dying in the bus right now listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> um, their question. Can I move on to that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pow's question was, what would who would be your dream guest on the pod? Ooh, dream guest. Oh, man. Now, pause. I'll cut the pause out because I really want you to think because everybody, when you're asked something like this, you're like, oh, no, you can't, but get a good one. I mean, I think I have one for the lore. I would like to say more than one. <laughs> okay, I could say several. Okay, any time and space we can have a guest. I'll leave it open since we are dealing in the paranormal. Why not? They could be living or dead. I mean, it's got to be Robin Williams. Robin Williams, but, we're, but it's going to be a very... In depth, intense, uh, inside the actor's studio type interview just about the movie Jack. <laughs> but you're like Anyone seething who... in the corner because you can't ask about the birdcage. Anyone who ghosted him during the during <laughs> the filming of the movie Jack. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Now I just want to talk about Robin Williams for an hour. Okay. Nope. <laughs> I'll uh, we'll get through these. I'll give you five minutes. I'll give you five minutes. Okay, um, real quick. Real quick, did you see that clip about how Nathan Lane almost got outed on Oprah, but Robin Williams stepped in and performed a wild story because he knew Nathan didn't want to come out yet. Oh, So he looks kind of like he's pulling focus, like he's being an asshole, but he's actually saving Nathan Lane because he knew Nathan Lane didn't want to come out yet. Why is he so cool? Nathan Lane came out and uh, explained that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um... Dream guests. Okay. Besides Robin. Um, I mean, no, Beth, honestly, Beth Stelling. Like, I would love to have Beth oh, Stelling yeah, for on. Sure. She's so lovely to talk to, and she's an amazing comedian, and I love her to bits. Um, That's the thing is a lot of my dream guests would be comedians that we could honestly access probably, and I don't want to put them out there. Well, let me think. I think 
Dana Gould would be awesome. Dana Gould would be cool. I feel like he, I feel like it'd be but really hard so, to just tell him, like, can you just tell a ghosting story? Because I'd have, like, what was it like in the 80s? Tell us everything. Yeah, that's the thing is, uh, <laughs> I just want to hear so much about, because he started comedy at, like, 18 years old. Yeah. In, or even younger. It, right he was friends up, with Robin Williams. Right at, yeah, the comedy boom. Um, Here's my thing, because my brain goes to, and I'm, like, kind of getting over this, my brain goes to. Nicole oh, Byer, sorry. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that would be such a like symposium of the because I feel like we're sometimes dealing in similar questions like with her podcast because mm-hmm. she's doing the reverse kind of. I feel like she would tell the perfect story. Yeah. Like with her dating history, she'd crush it. Yeah. Help us grow this podcast so we can get Nicole <laughs> Byer on. Tell your stupid friends slash I love you all. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Um, my brain goes to like, who are your music heroes? But they are often, I've found really not funny people. Okay. Um, that is not, all their talents are obviously in the other thing. So I yeah. want to ask comedians cause they would tell they're the best storytellers. Yeah. Is there an actor that you think maybe? Some of them are so, I have like really intense they're so people. They're so they're... scary too. Oh, or they're who, just like intense. JK's, is that living or dead? Yeah, living or dead. But like Philip Seymour Hoffman, I would just want to talk to him. He but would tell a great story. Imagine how intense that story would be, though. I feel like he's funny. Yeah. Um, Aparna no. Nancharla, I feel like, would have oh. great stories. Yeah. And would be very funny to listen to. I'm trying to think, is there like a celebrity chef or some, somebody not a comedian? Oh, I would love it. What's her name? Esther Perel. Esther Perel. She's all about relationships. She's like a therapist doctor person who goes on on podcasts and she's like from her family are Holocaust survivors. So she has like this grit outlook on life. But Mm -hmm. and she says such insightful things about humans and monogamy and love. And Mark and I actually just watched like a TED talk about desire from her. And basically she was saying desire and love are not usually together. Like desire is a void of responsibility and love is kind of full of responsibility. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I'm supposed to let you think. I'll be quiet now. Well, it's this weird thing because I'm thinking who would have an interesting perspective on it? You want to say something cool, then I'm fighting that urge. You want to say something cool? Or you want to like, I feel like there is an impulse in me to think of someone erudite and like interesting and that's a, ooh, that's a good pick for they would tell a good ghosting story but it's just not coming to me because I don't think about that way. It'd be there, like comedians I like so like okay like James Adomian would just oh tell a God. good story about anything. I think anything. we could get him. Yeah. yeah. Tell you guys. Tell James Adomian. Tell James Adomian. <laughs> I think it's honestly like a matter of Honestly you guys out. you need to tell your friends about this podcast. We know you <laughs> like it. We get your messages and which I mean we like me and James also just like talking to each other which yeah. is part of why we do the podcast but please tell your friends about this. <laughs> Um, okay, James and Jeremy. Sorry, keep going. Um, someone. Oh, okay. Here's the other thing about musicians. They might actually have good ghosting stories because they have to. I didn't think of this. They have to navigate such strange situations being on the road. Mm-hmm. So they would have good tour stories, I think. But they're like people that they would ghost anyway because they're only in that town for that set amount of time. Yeah. So I don't know why this is so hard for me. I think you're. I feel like you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. To think of a good one. Mm-hmm. Is there someone you see in the world you're like, their dating history is wild and I kind of want to know more about this? No. no really? I'm less interested in the dating ones, honestly. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I think it's just because I think I'm not in that phase of life. Mm-hmm. I think when we started the show, maybe one of the feelings I had, it was sort of, sort of like living vicariously and hear about like, what's it like out there dating? And the more I heard about it, I was kind of like, I'm so happy where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> that it's like, you don't, it's not even has like a vicariousness to it. It's just kind of like, man, that looks like it sucks. I think I like to hear the dating ones. Cause like I said, it, I, it was nice to hear other stories really similar to mine. Oh, right. feel Less alone. Mm-hmm. But I also just, I love a guy. I love the tea. Yeah. I love, I reiterate, your best-telling one is a good one. Yeah. No, this isn't going to happen. Not today with the way my brain is. Okay. Okay, I'll say this, though. 
I think it is because I had unworked in my brain a lot. Um, part of my PhD, part of just like moving through the world. I got rid of that idea of like who are your heroes. Because mm-hmm. I'm I just an individual is often like very conflicted or boring when you mm-hmm. actually look at their life. So I'm always like looking at works that I like. But like I was trying to think of like actors, but then I was just like, well, I like films made by directors and I don't want to talk to those directors because they're not interesting usually. So usually like, they're not good people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they've had to do a lot of weird stuff to get to where they're at. Maybe it's like my impulse of being like, whoever you say is probably like canceled in some way and you don't realize it. Yeah. Or, or just someone will be like, actually I worked with them and they're really shitty. Yeah. Yeah. So you run the risk of that with comedy too. But yeah, yeah. Um, Don't have any more questions, Cotty. I think that's it. I think those are all our questions. We nailed it. We, we filled, nailed it. <laughs> we filled time for sure. How much time was that? So much. So much. <laughs> More than Cut one. out all the pauses is probably like, and then the parts where I was like, we got to cut this, probably like 50 minutes. That's good. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Yay. Please honestly tell your friends about the podcast. We're really happy you all tune in and we love reading your messages about how much you enjoy it. If you could tell two people about the podcast, we'd appreciate that. You don't have to make them listen, mm-hmm. but just mention it. <laughs> mention it. I'm like, um, I often have people saying like, oh, yeah, like, oh, you do podcasts, whatever. Yeah. And then I, I'm always like not pushing it. Just like, yep, you should listen to it. It's good. I'm confident and proud of the thing we make. Yeah. And it will, the more we're consistent, and it I will, will grow. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, I was going to say, now you have several minutes. Robin Williams, what do we got? Oh, real quick. before I do want to thank all of you for listening and sending the messages. It really does make me happy. So thank you for doing that. Real quick about Robin Williams. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I heard there was a story that, oh, wait. Okay. I don't know if I can tell this story. Cut this part. Oh, Never God mind. damn it. <laughs> um, well, what else? Oh, well, I mean, the big one was the Nathan Lane thing. Yeah. We already burned it. We already burned it. Is that it for me and Robin? I just, uh, I used to listen to him so much as a kid and it's so weird that he's gone and I'm sad. (laughs) It's insane that Jack, I didn't realize this, was created, was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. That's why it's so fucking upsetting. Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's like Apocalypse Now, Jack. Same brain. It feels like that. They're just like <laughs> tearing away. They're like, oh, did you like Robin Williams being friends with his friends? Well, guess what? He's gonna die. Yeah. And he knows it. And he has to process it as I'd a little s- boy. I'd have to see the trailer, <laughs> but I feel like it was marketed as like a lot of 90s comedies of like, here's a fantastic scenario. Ooh. Like twins. Or no, no. Um, oh, What the hell was the one where Arnold Schwarzenegger's pregnant? Oh, I don't know. Like there was a lot of stuff like that in the '90s, where it was like fantastic scenario comedy ensues, but it's still kind of grounded. It's just one thing is slightly like sci-fi-ish. Like Multiplicity had Michael Keaton. Okay. Also really problematic now. I feel like though that movie, that, not him. I don't know the movie Jack and movies like My Big Giant, my my, my friend. Yeah. The, those my are sta- giant. It was called my giant. Those are standouts of depressing. Like, and oh, yeah. I feel like the eighties kind of that guy has to die. Yeah, yeah, like the eighties or nineties. They were like, yeah, isn't that a sad story? No resolution. Okay, bye. Uh-huh. <laughs> like- <laughs> Back to Robin Williams. Back to Robin Williams. Patch Adams. I saw with my grandma and my her. Do you call it your step grandpa? He's my her like know. second husband. I don't know. Yeah, step grandpa. Step grandpa. That's how yeah. I thought of him. Um. And it fucked me up as a kid. I don't remember how old I was. Not too young, but. I I think I had to leave the theater. It's upsetting. I don't. Suddenly. I, yeah. Does he die? No. But everybody he treats dies. No. What happened? <laughs> he did like an amazing thing. And it probably if they did it today, they'd probably find out, try to find more of how, I think it's based on a true story. They'd probably try to find more of how the actual guy was more about like social medicine and stuff. But randomly then they start that whole clinic and then the woman he's in love with that helps him start it, his girlfriend, I guess you'd say, um, went to help one of the patients on like a house call and he killed her and then himself. 
That's how that movie ends? Yeah. I guess I really didn't stick it out. I have no memory of that. I do remember being like, that's the sad. Like, there's Robin Williams happy and there's Robin Williams sad. And that was a Robin Williams sad one. And then he's standing. Apologies if anybody's upset by talk of suicide. He's like standing on a cliff. What? And he's like gonna (laughs) jump. This is the range of range of Robin Williams. The range of Robin Williams. He's gonna jump, and then a butterfly uh, like floats by and lands on his pocket, which I think is something that happened earlier in the movie as well. Yeah. So he has that kind of like, oh, you know, there's, I don't know, there's magic in the world, or you doing a good thing, or whatever recognition. But then I remember my step grandpa, who was always like a man of very few words. We were like eating lunch, invariably probably at like Wendy's afterwards, and he was like. You know, he was standing there at the end, and he said, Lord, this is it. And then a butterfly landed in his pocket, and he kind of stared wistfully out the window, and I'm like eight or whatever, just being like, shit. Is he okay? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, another sad, Robin Williams, sad category. Yeah. The Awakenings. Did you see that movie? No. With Robert De Niro and Robin Williams? No. It's like based on a true story. He plays a doctor again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Robert De Niro is a man who fell into a coma along with all these other people. We don't know why they're in comas. Robin Williams finds a cure. They all wake up. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? They're enjoying life. Oh, my God. No reason at all. Fall back into the coma. Slowly, over time. And we have to watch that. And very similar. Robin Williams is like, what is life? And then something very kind of casual happens. Yep. And he keeps going with life. Yes. Robin Williams, Robin Williams, sad well, what dreams may come. Oh, my God. Fuck me up hard. (laughs) Fuck me up hard, dude. I can't. Is a save his wife from hell? Save his wife from hell. And then it's also like, so they're so soul matey that they survived hell. Yeah. Also, know it, though. Know it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Know it's one of the most fucked up parts of that movie. Get it out now, Cotty. This is the only time we can do this. Okay, they there's a part because that whole movie is like about saying goodbye to death and like processing death, mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. There's a part where their daughter hasn't died yet in the car crash. Sorry, spoiler if you haven't seen that fucking movie that's been out for 20 years. But like, she they realize they have to put the dog down, the family dog down. <laughs> You're more worried about the dog. And then because it, I had just put down a dog, and like, <laughs> the mother is explaining dogs die. Yep. And they're saying goodbye to the fucking family dog. No real reason. Just threw that in there along with the, well, all like, the wildly upsetting parts. But it's parts. about death. And that's usually that's usually people's first experience with death, hopefully. And probably the meanest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because those pets fucking rock. But then he hangs out with the dog again in heaven. So that's nice. Yep. That movie goes through so much pain. There's so much like physical agony in that movie. Yep. And then it kind of leaves you like... He's like running on that field. It's one part of hell or purgatory where it's like um, a field of people's faces. Like their head, only their head sticks out of like the mud and he has to like walk on all their faces to get to oh, like a I've ship. I blocked that part out. Now I want to vomit. I remember the imagery. Also, also very funny. So in this movie, they are in heaven mm-hmm. and you, his children have died before him. Yep. And no. yeah, his kids died in a car crash with the nanny. Got it. Then his yep. wife got put in an institution, kills herself. Yep. Then he's on his way to go do something about it. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's on his way to her and he gets hit he, by a car. I thought he. Oh, yeah, I see. I so, thought he died and then didn't know. He did die. He doesn't. He doesn't realize that her suicide has put her in purgatory or hell. Yeah. And so. But he's like in heaven and in this world, the people who've died before you, they don't appear to you as they were right away. You mm-hmm. have to discover them. So they come to you in a different form. So he's talking to his kids in but a different as, form. Yeah, he, he realizes, this is all the spoilers, he realizes that Cuba Gooding Cuba Jr. Cuba is his son. Kid, yeah. And I remember it specifically. A hot Asian chick is his daughter. I remember that being upsetting because <laughs> it's something I have to think about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Because he, she was like, oh, you always said that the stewardesses on like Singapore Airlines or something were so beautiful. And he wanted to like, she wanted to appear to him as something he thought was beautiful. It's very weird. 
but then also, also on top of that, that is a very weird point. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh-huh. That's bizarre and creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, so he's like talking to his kids in these other forms. He thinks there are other people and his heaven is manipulating into his desire, which is his wife, their mom. So they're like talking to their dad in the afterlife and they're like watching him imagine their mom naked everywhere. Got it. So bizarre. That has been <laughs> another installment of We Talk About Robin Williams. Yeah, at length. <laughs> I'm going to cut it right here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Thanks for, the for listening. Okay, bye. Thanks so much for listening to Kadi Asad Ghost Detective. The show is recorded, edited, and produced by me, James Hilmer. You can follow the show at Kadi Asad Ghost Detective on Instagram and support our Patreon at patreon.com slash Thanks so much.